Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 42 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Number three, do you find God departing from you in your affliction? Will you therefore depart from God too? Is this your help? Can you help yourself that way? Because God is gone, will you go too? Do I indeed feel God departing from me? It may be so. It may be. God, for your trial, is departed a little from you. And is it so, indeed? What an unwise course I take. I commit further sin, and so I go further off from God. What a plight I am in. God goes from me, and I from God. If the child sees the mother going from it, it is not for the child to say, My mother is gone yonder, and I will go the other way. Too, no. But the child goes crying after the mother. So should the soul say, I see the Lord is withdrawing his presence from me, and now it is best for me to make after the Lord with all my might And I'm sure this murmuring humor is not a making after God, but by it I go further and further away from God. And what a distance there will be between God and me within a little while. These are some of the reasonings and pleas of a murmuring and discontented heart. There are many others that we shall meet with and endeavor to speak to your hearts in them that this tough humor of discontent may, as it were, be cut with the word and softened with the word so that it may pass away. For that is the way of physicians. When they meet with a body which has any tough humor, then they give that which has a piercing quality. When there is a tough humor which stops the water that it cannot pass, they give something with a piercing quality which may Make a passage for it. So you have need of such things as are piercing to make a way through this tough humor in the spirits of men and women, whereby they come to live very uncomfortably to themselves and others and very dishonorably unto God. Now many pleas and reasonings still remain, for there is a great deal of ado with a discontented, murmuring heart. And I remember, I find, that the same Hebrew word, which signifies to lodge, to abide, signifies to murmur. They use one word for both. For murmuring is a disorder that lodges in men. Where it gets in once, it lodges, abides, and continues, and therefore, that we may dislodge it and get it out, we will labor to show what are the further reasonings of a discontented heart. 
Roman numeral four, I think I could be content with God's hand, says one. So far as I see the hand of God is in a thing, I can be content. But when men deal so unreasonably and unjustly with me, I do not know how to bear it. <clears throat> I can bear that I should be in God's hands, but not in the hands of men. When my friends or acquaintances deal so unrighteously with me, oh, this goes very hard with me, so that I do not know how to bear it from men. For taking away this reasoning, consider. Number one, though they are men who bring this cross on you, yet they are God's instruments. God has a hand in it, and they can go no further than God would have them go. This was what quieted David when Shimei cursed him. God has a hand in it, he said, though Shimei is a base, wicked man, yet I look beyond him to God. So do any of your friends deal injuriously with you and wrongly with you? Look up to God and see that man but as an instrument in God's hands. Number two, if this is your trouble that men do so wrong you, you ought rather to turn your hearts to pity them than to murmur or be discontented. For the truth is, if you are wronged by other men, you have the better of it, for it is better to bear wrong than to do wrong a great deal. If they wrong you, you are in a better condition than they, because it is better to bear than to do wrong. I remember it is said of Socrates that as he was very patient when wrong was done to him, they asked him how he came to be so. He said, if I meet a man in the street who is a diseased man, shall I be vexed and fretted with him because he is diseased? Those who wrong me, I look upon as diseased men and therefore pity them. Number three, Though you meet with hard dealings from men, yet you meet with nothing but kind, good, and righteous dealings from God. When you meet with unrighteous dealings from them, set one against the other. And that is an answer to the fourth plea. Roman numeral five Oh, but the affliction that comes upon me is an affliction which I never looked for. I never thought that I would meet with such an affliction, and that is what I cannot bear. That is what makes my heart so disturbed, because it was altogether unlooked for and unexpected. For the answer of this, number one, it is your weakness and folly that you did not look for it and expect it. In Acts 20, 22, and 23. See what St. Paul says concerning himself. <clears throat> and now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. 
It is true, he says, I do not know the particular affliction that may befall me, but this I know, that the Spirit of God witnesses that bonds and afflictions shall abide me everywhere. I look for nothing else but bonds and afflictions wheresoever I go. So a Christian should do. He should look for afflictions wheresoever he is. In all conditions, he should look to meet with afflictions. And therefore, if any affliction should befall him, though indeed he could not foresee the particular evil, yet he should think, this is no more than I looked for in general. Therefore, no affliction should come unexpectedly to a Christian. Number two. A second answer I would give is this. Is it unexpected? Then the less provision you made for it before it came, the more careful should you be to sanctify God's name in it, now it is come. It is in this case of afflictions as in mercies. Many times mercy comes unexpected. And that might be a third answer to you. Set one against the other. I have many mercies that I never looked for, as well as afflictions that I never looked for. Why should not the one rejoice me as much as the other disturbs me? As it is in mercies, when they come unexpected, the less preparation there was in me for receiving mercy, the more need I have to be careful now to give God the glory of the mercy and to sanctify God's name in the enjoyment of the mercy. Oh, so it should be with us now. We have had mercies this summer that we never expected, and therefore we were not prepared for them. Now we should be so much the more careful to give God the glory of them. So when afflictions come that we did not expect, when it seems we did not lay in for them beforehand, we had need be more careful to sanctify God's name in them, We should have spent some pains before to prepare for afflictions, and we did not. Then take so much the more pains to sanctify God in this affliction now. Roman numeral six. Oh, but it is very great. My affliction is exceeding great, says someone. And however you say we must be contented, you may say so, who do not feel such great afflictions. But if you felt my affliction, which I feel, you would think it hard to bear and be content. To that I answer, number one, let it be as great an affliction as it will, it is not as great as your sin. He has punished you less than your sins. Number two, It might have been a great deal more. You might have been in hell. And it is, if I remember Bernard's saying, he said, it is an easier matter to be oppressed than to perish. You might have been in hell, and therefore the greatness of the thing should not make you murmur, even grant it to be great. Number three, it may be it is the greater because your heart murmurs so. Shackles upon a man's legs, if his legs are sore, will pain him more. If the shoulder is sore, the burden is greater. 
It is because your heart is so unsound that your affliction is great to you. Roman numeral seven. But however you may lessen my affliction, yet I am sure it is far greater than the affliction of others. Number one, it may be it is your discontent that makes it greater when indeed it is not so in itself. Number two, if it were greater than others, why is your eye evil because the eye of God is good? Why should you be discontented the more because God is gracious to others? Number three, is your affliction greater than others? Then in this, you have an opportunity to honor God more than others. You should consider, does God afflict me more than other men? God gives me an opportunity in this to honor him in this affliction more than other men, to exercise more grace than other men. Let me labor to do it then. Number four, if all afflictions were laid upon a heap together. This is a notable saying of Solon, that wise heathen. He said, suppose all the afflictions that are in the world were laid upon a heap and every man should come and take a proportion of those afflictions. Everyone equally, there is scarce any man, but would rather say, "Eh, let me have the afflictions that I had before or else he would be likely to come to a greater share, a greater affliction, if so be he should equally share with all the world. Now for you who are poor, who are not in extremity of poverty, if all the riches in the world were laid together and you should have an equal share, you would be poorer. But take all afflictions and sorrows whatsoever. If all the sorrows in the world were laid together in a heap and you had but an equal share of them, your portion would be rather more than it is now for the present. And therefore, do not complain that it is more than others and murmur because of that. This concludes episode 42 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. <laughs>